right, let's get drunk. Drunk Friend Podcast. I'm Travis. I'm your host today. No Alex this time. Sorry if that disappoints you. Oh, we just lost everybody. Hello? Hello? No, again, I'm sorry. It's just me this time around. Hopefully that's okay. I was busy last week, so Alex got to sit down with Robert of the Classic Gaming Podcast. A really good episode. Good job, guys, if you're listening. This time around, it's just me. Alex said he was a little too busy, and uh, that was comforting because I think he's a robot. Or at least I thought he was a robot. You know, two videos a week, this podcast, uh, walking dogs, and doing Q&As on Twitter at 3 a.m. Eastern time. That's a lot. So when he said, hey, man, I'm a little too busy this time, I was like, okay, Mr. Robot. But yeah, he's human. I can confirm that now. I was curious before. So yeah, it's just me this time around. Uh, In true drunk friend fashion, to stay on brand, I'll tell you what I'm drinking. It's just a mess of olives and some vodka. You might call it a martini. I wouldn't because I make them disgusting. And you can judge me. I'm the creepy guy at the end of the bar sipping on sipping on that. So I apologize, I guess. Uh, I have some fun guests coming up. We're going to have fun here today with just me, myself, and I. Hopefully you think so. Anyway, a couple of guests coming on. The first one will be Caleb J. Ross. He has written some books. He does some, some well, he's done podcasts in the past. He does some YouTube videos. And he's also collaborating with me on a project that I alluded to in a previous episode called Tales of the Lesser Medium. And he and I will be releasing our first four episodes of that on May 26th. I really hope you enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to make. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. That doesn't mean that you have to think it's funny. I hope you think it's funny. That's the whole point is to uh, tell the story of Resident Evils 1, 2, 3, and 0. And have a little fun with it, because those stories are always absurd. We make a little sense of it, we make a little fun of it, and I'm proud of it. So hopefully uh, you guys can catch that, and he's going to come on here in a couple minutes, and we're going to talk about that, and then I'm going to wrap up the show by bringing on my longtime friend, Musty Hobbit, and he and I are going to chat about what he's been up to, what his plans are, and what it's like, uh, what it's like starting out on Twitch. A lot of hurdles, a lot of obstacles for, for budding Twitch streamers. So. He's going to talk about that a little bit coming up. Before I brought those guests on, there was a quick little topic I wanted to touch on, not spend a lot of time on. Uh, I don't usually get too philosophical or uh, emotional or anything like that. I won't hear, I promise. But I did want to talk about a notion that I think is important for creativity, and it's one that I fight with on a regular basis. Um, I have a lot of issues with confidence. And the way I see myself and the way, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's tough because I, I think I am a creative person. You can point to the YouTube videos. You can point to the multitude of podcasts that I'm on. Yes, I'm creative in those uh, regard. I don't create things with my hands. I have not created anything tangible uh, aside from, you know, a, a, a decent game collection. <laughs> you know, that's, that's been a, a creative outlet, I guess, um, in terms of displaying them anyway, sure. But um, in, in podcasting, you know, I'm just sitting down, I'm just talking, and I do a lot of podcasts for a guy that really doesn't have a lot to say, but um, I have a lot of issues with confidence and overcoming that lack of confidence in starting a creative outlet. Uh, oftentimes, no matter what the domain is, I already feel like I'm starting from the bottom, and you, usually you are. You know, starting out on YouTube, how many YouTube channels are there that, you know, are already great? Uh, if, you're think, if you're into retro games, like I assume most listeners are, Certainly, um, there are tons of really good channels already out there. So you're climbing a mountain if you want to be distinguished and be found 
I consider myself very lucky for having come on Snestrunk's radar. Uh, that's partially due to the fact that I emulated uh, his style and recipe for videos and incorporated that into my own and was able to feed my personality into it. And it eventually uh, has it's become something that I'm really proud of. But getting over that initial hurdle of confidence is uh, to, to even start is tough. When I wanted to begin podcasting, I all I could think about were dissenting opinions on me, the way I talked, the way I laughed, the way I approached things, the way I described things, and perhaps even getting things wrong on occasion. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal for me. I I don't know if that comes from having a job in academia where being right and being uh, accurate is really important for the output I generate, and not being right all the time is seen as a personal attack, which it is no matter where you are, but uh, I don't know if it's that. It, it could be. I feel like it existed well before that. I think I came out of the womb with a little bit of imposter syndrome. I, the, I looked at the doctors, and I was like, hey, guy, you know, you can put me back in if you want. I don't think I deserve to be out here with the rest of these really cute babies. So, yeah, it's just a disease of the brain. But there was a quote that I really like from John Cleese that said, um, nothing will stop you from being creative so effectively as the fear of making a mistake. Man, that is so, that is so true for me. Really, there's no trick for getting over that. You just have to <laughs> overcome it. I mean, it seems obvious and seems like something that maybe I don't even need to, to mention, but it was such a big deal for me to unlock that concept and that point to that and say, okay, yeah, that's my issue. I really just don't want to make a mistake. Making a mistake, the consequences of that are negative comments. Oh, nobody likes those. The consequence of that might be people stop following you or stop listening to you because they don't value, they don't credit, or they don't um, think you have any merit for what you're saying. And, and sure, that can happen. But I think most of the time, you know, if you try your best, if you're right most of the time, if you're pretty accurate, if you're not deliberately just handing out falsities, and I'm talking specifically in the review space, that doesn't even apply to a video genre of, of comedy where you don't really have to be right. In fact, being wrong could be funny. Well, in those cases, you might worry about accidentally being offensive or something like that. So there's always these things in the back of your head that are like, what if, what if I'm not perfect? Well, you're not going to be. Uh, you're going to get negative comments even if you nail it. People are going to not like your stuff if it's popular because it's popular. So all of those things are just going to happen. And don't let that stop you from being creative. And that's something that I've really come to terms with and I'm at a tier much lower than the folks that we've had on this show, and obviously the co-host who's not here today. I have a very small channel, very new channel for YouTube. I have very, you know, in compared to this, I have some other podcasts that are very small. And so there's, there's still plenty out there that I don't know. But I think if I am to speak from a beginner standpoint to anyone out there who's listening that wants to start a channel or start some creative endeavor, and you're held back by this nebulous cloud, this nebulous dark cloud of what-ifs, um, please cast that aside and just put something out there. Just try it. Make something you're proud of. Just do it. I'm going to Shia LaBeouf you right now. Just do it. Let's get into some guests. Let's have some fun. First up, let me get my baseball cards out so I can read their stats. Okay. 
Okay, up first, my pal, my partner in crime on an up-and-coming podcast project coming your way May 26th, Tales of the Lesser Medium. It's Caleb J. Ross. He's published books. He's been on YouTube for a while now, I think. Uh, he's had dreadlocks, evidently. He's done podcasts that have flamed out. He has a website, calebjross.com, and he's coming up next. Make way for Caleb. Caleb, thank you for letting me drag you onto another podcast so that we can tout a completely separate podcast that I dragged you onto. Thanks for being so easy to yank around, man. I appreciate it. No problem. That's just great marketing. You, you, at, you send people to another podcast immediately. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> basically, get people in here, get them hooked, get that SNES drunk in there, do a partnership, get his people, <laughs> send everybody to my other stuff. Yeah, and his people are the best people, I must say. Yes, I might have to cut this out. If they hear that they're being used for my own gain, <laughs> they might revolt. But, uh, but no, we'll, we'll get to what uh, Caleb and I have been working on here shortly, and I've, I alluded to it in the intro that Caleb hasn't heard yet. But to stay on brand here, Caleb always asks the guest uh, what they're drinking, and for you, I'm going to assume you're on a multiple of Tank 7? <laughs> Not tonight. Uh, that was a couple nights ago, and I, I did a little bit too many of those. No, actually, right now, it's nothing. How boring am I? Good Lord. What, do you have know, responsibilities? Super... <laughs> no, I don't. That makes it worse. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a lame-o. Uh, normally, it would be a, a delicious beer. Uh, I mm. prefer an Imperial Stout. That's my jam, but right. it is still the middle of the week, and I've started going back into the office through this whole COVID thing, so no. I have to get up a little bit earlier now. That's the yeah. worst, man. How is that? Yeah. How is that, like, going back out into the fog? It's a little weird. There's actually fewer people at my office than at home, so I actually feel kind of safer at the <laughs> office. Uh, but it is nice to get the routine down. I was getting a bit cabin feverish here, uh, which is better than COVID feverish, so yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was getting a little little sweaty in here, so I decided to venture out. It's been good so far. Well, that's that's good. I'm fighting tooth and nail not to have to go back into work. Don't make me go. I don't want to do it. Uh, you I, don't miss anything about it? Nothing at all? No, not even a little bit. Um, really? But I'm, st I'm still working. It's not, it's just, I've gotten used to my, I, I got a comfortable setup at home. Once I realized yeah. I was going to be stuck here for two months, I got a neat little thing, like a cushiony laptop holder I could put on my lap and it holds a drink. And then I got the TV behind that and I got headphones on, I got my games all around me and I'm just bobbing <laughs> through. And then I'm going to have to go back to some <laughs> sterile ass standing desk situation with people that I don't like always asking me to do shit in person oh i don't like it it's good to know that you have all these forms of entertainment which by design are meant to have you focus yeah. on work so i i think uh as i'm speaking for as your employer which i <laughs> absolutely am uh thank you thank you for your uh for your uh for your dedication absolutely man you, you <laughs> the other night though speaking of tank seven you were talking about i had not heard of this beer before but it did get mm -hmm. you get you a talking you were you were very socially lubed what is a tank seven where do you get them what's it taste like uh, it's a, it's a Saison kind of beer, which mm. is, uh, it's, it's sort of a florally kind of beer. Uh, it's, it's, I think classified maybe if, if IPAs, I think, or Saison, I think is a subset of IPA. Right. I don't know enough about the lighter beers. I'm more of the darker beer, but Isn't it's Saison a beer. is like a, another way to say session, which is an IPA that you can drink long term and not no, die of no, alcoholism but I've heard before that. you're done? No, no, no. It's actually more of a, it's like they use wild yeast strains, which makes it strains which makes it a little bit oh. sweeter, um, but not like sugary sweet. So it's basically a great beer if you want to pretend you like IPAs. Like I hate the bitter taste of IPAs. I just don't like them. 
I don't like a lager or, or I guess like a Pilsner, like a Bud Light, Miller Light type of thing. I just don't like it. This is a perfect beer like to, to have a light beer in your hand, a light colored beer in your hand, but not uh, have to endure the bitterness of an IPA. It's also uh, a bit heavy. It's about 9.5%. And I had about four tall boys uh, that one night. So I was very, as you said, very, very verbal on the uh, discords. <laughs> no, it was a good time. I mean, you were intelligible, but very active. Uh, I do it like took me about person. seven minutes per message to write that with all the editing. So <laughs> that's all they call it. Tank seven. <laughs> hey, I, look at that. I, uh, I do like the bitter. I want my beer to taste like someone dipped a bunch of dirty leaves in it. I just, I like no. it. I kind of crave uh, it, but I get where you're coming well, from. I'm not really turned off by any beer though. Anything that's in front of me, I'll drink. Uh, <laughs> so Caleb, I first thought I'd let the audience get to know you a little bit. I'd sell mm-hmm. them on you first. Hopefully, mm-hmm. they're somewhat sold on me, provided that they're still listening to this podcast. And mm-hmm. then we'll sell them on that little that little side hustle we got going on. So mm. you have your hand in a lot of pots when it comes to creative outlets. And I want to touch on each a little bit. You're, you're a published fiction author. You're a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. You've done podcasts. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything? Uh, I drink beer. Wait, we handled that one. Um, no, that I one. think that's probably about it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I think for the people that listen to this, you know, we're, gosh, we've had, we've had Pam on here. We've had Snestrunk and, and Dan from Console Wars and all these other people. They're sick of YouTubers by now. And they've <laughs> heard me in podcasts, uh, you know, they're, they're sick of that too. But the book thing, I think, is one that, you know, not many people know people that have, that have published a book. Um, and you're doing a lot of, you've done a lot of writing, uh, not necessarily your books per se, but you've done a lot of writing in the game space. So can you highlight any of that? Yeah, I certainly can. So, uh, I've been, so just as a, as a very short preamble to, to, to build up this amazing, uh, body of work that I've cultivated. Um, (laughs) I, 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 I fresh out of college, I was, I was all about writing books, wrote tons of books or wrote five books total over the span of like college to just a couple of years ago. Um, and that was my thing. I was just writing, didn't really play video games very much. And then for some damn reason i took a hard left back into video games that i had abandoned since i was like a child mm-hmm. um and that just got me i just kind of merged video games and, and writing at that point and so oh since then i've been doing uh on my youtube stuff i i usually do pretty heavy scripted stuff so i've been writing a ton for that i've been writing video game essays where i try to be a little bit funny but also a little bit poignant and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and then right now i'm currently w- working on a book length project basically a book about one particular video game my favorite video game of all time so that's that's kind of what i'm what i'm doing uh and it's a ton of fun awesome yeah i i've actually uh when i realized that like hey i know a guy that's written books i bought all your books <laughs> and i read all your books and they're all very great um Thank and you. you can find all of those on caleb's website calebjross.com he's not uh doesn't all hide his name from anything he'll put that on anything <laughs> uh, um, i tried to be caleb ross but there's apparently an actor named that so i had to force my middle initial in there uh, is he cuter Way cuter. Wow. <laughs> Way that's... cuter. Yeah. And and every girlfriend and now my wife have been very, very blatant in that. Like, yeah, he's <laughs> way better looking than you are. So, <laughs> yeah, it uh, sucks. Well, that that is that is a bummer. We won't harp on that for too much longer. <laughs> uh, and so I, I think what you described really shows in your YouTube, um, the way your YouTube channel is set up. So you, you have a pretty long history with YouTube. I mean, I don't know the number of years, at least seven, eight, maybe 10. Does that seem about right? I think 2012-ish might have been my first. So yeah, right in between seven, eight, ten around there. Yeah. 
I found that if you say a bunch of numbers, you're you're usually <laughs> you're you're going to be close to right. So so yeah, 2012, and then um, but a lot of it back then was the books thing. Like you said, you hadn't really taken that hard left in the games, but you had over the ter- over the the span of focusing on the book stuff. You did I guess book reviews, and you also did some comedy mm-hmm. stuff in there. And that's where your your YouTube channel kind of uh, found its foundation. It's um, most of its subscriber base, right? Yeah, yeah. And I I like to pretend that that's also the reason why uh, my subscriber base isn't to the level of a lot of people that you have on the show and things like that is because I feel like there's a kernel in the algorithm somewhere that still sees my channel as primarily a book channel. But yeah, I started um, mainly as a way to just promote my books uh, selfishly. And I got, I found that quite boring, actually. So then I just started doing a lot of book reviews and just talking about books. And I was part of the YouTube culture called BookTubers. And that's where a lot of the kind of subscribers and viewers came from. Um, but I would also try to make it funny. Like, I, I think I like to be funny. Yeah. Like, I try my hardest. And so I, I would have skits, uh, uh, videos about where I just finished a book and it was like, and, and I, I was basically like in love with it, but the book was trying to break up with me. Uh, there was a skit where I had to call a book. Like I I was doing a video about like, when do you give up on a book? Right. Like, because sometimes it's like a video game. Like you play for so long, you kind of want to see it through, but sometimes you just got to give up. So there's a video about me calling up all the books from the past to like, tell them, Hey, I don't want to see you anymore. (laughs) Um, and it there was a really funny part in that where one of the books that I called was a, uh, an atlas of like sexually transmitted diseases. And it was actually giving me some news about our history. Uh, so <laughs> that kind of fun stuff. And then now I kind of do that same thing, but with video games as much as I can, just my, my whole goal is to be, is just to be as funny as I can, uh, while at the same time trying to make people think about video games in sort of an in-depth, interesting way. Um, and those are two very different, difficult things to balance sometimes. So it doesn't always work, but yeah, yeah I have fun doing it. Yeah. I think it's, you do a good job because, um, I think a lot of video game subject matter especially the the kind of stuff you gravitate to is is and video games in general just aren't very funny and so you you yeah. sort of add that flavor to it and help it out in my opinion yeah yeah i i, I like to think so you know and, and i'm inspired by people like trav right here he uh he makes we have, we have we've actually done some uh skits together some skit videos together um which yeah. i still when i've had four tank sevens we'll go back and watch over and over <laughs> again so <laughs> there's some good moments in those for sure <laughs> So about the the book uh, review community, so this this game review community, uh, this thing that, of course, SNES Drunk um, is certainly one of the folks at the forefront of Mm -hmm. something that I am more more recently a part of. Some folks we've had on here are featured in. It seems like a very big and crowded space. There's tons of video games. There's it's easy to to put a video game in a video and talk about it. But with books, I, I, I haven't really looked into that aside from what you've done. What is that space like, and is it sort of easier to excel in that space if you put a little personality into it like you were doing? I think so, uh, because I remember when I started, I, I wasn't getting viewers or subscribers to the, um, to, to the, to the I guess, uh, acceleration. What's the word I'm looking for? I didn't get them as quickly as I would have mm-hmm. liked. Looking back on it, I'm like, man, I wish I could do that again. So at the time, I didn't think I understood like that, that I was doing something right, you know, um, in terms of gaining subscribers and viewers. Um, but I think that is it. it. Most of it is very vloggy. Uh, mm-hmm. So someone, it's it's basically just talking to a camera about this book that I read and how much I like it. But it's also really cool to see people. And I, I find this with the video game community too. I just love seeing someone passionate about whatever they're passionate about. Like I could care less about some of the games that people feature on channels that I watch. 
But when I see someone so excited about it and they're eager to share about it, talk about it, like I get really excited about that. And I felt like that was the fuel in the booktuber community. There was a lot of that going on. Uh, there was a lot less um, animosity toward one another. Uh, sometimes in the gamer communities, uh, someone have an opinion on a game that everyone just craps on and there's this division. I think in the booktuber community, people realize that books were sort of thought of at that point anyway, especially when you're talking about them on a visual medium, which is the antithesis of the book. Um, there's there's this sort of sense of we better stick together. And so the, it's I thought it was, I felt like in, in a lot of ways it was a really tight knit, knit community, um, in some ways tighter than the gaming community. Uh, but you know, I, you got to follow your passions and I kind of, I, I still read like crazy and I still write like crazy, but I just, I, I like video games more. Um, that's, and so I kind of did the pivot. I still go back and watch some of the old channels. I'm still subscribed to many of those channels and they're still producing great content. It's a, it's a really cool community. If you like books, uh, look them up. Yeah. I think it makes sense that those folks would be tight knit because I think, you know, as, as someone who I'm not a heavy reader, um, it's not that I don't like to read, but I just, my attention span isn't really cut out for it. Uh, I would think that, you know, if someone had a, a differing opinion for me, I'd be like, you know what? Like, you're my trench buddy. We we had to read that yeah. whole fucking thing and <laughs> and we did it. You know, it doesn't matter what you think in the end. We made it through a whole book. That's how I feel after I finish any book, Caleb. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I should tell someone. That's pretty impressive. And thus was born Goodreads, the book social, social <laughs> network. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, I mean, you're... Your videos for for video games, um, those I like because it's not you really try to think outside the box. I, I really think you you make a good you put in good effort in coming up with the skits. And I'll speak to a recent one that made me laugh a lot. And I, I feel like it was sort of a call out to. I mean, it, I didn't feel personally attacked, but it's sort of like it was a very genre uh, specific uh, touch point, which was how to review a video game. And you sort of lay out these very basic and absurd points about what you should do to review a video game. And, oh my God, I'll, I've watched it at least <laughs> three or four times. I find something funny in it every time I watch it because I was laughing so hard the first time that I missed something else. <laughs> do, you, do you have like, do you just, do you get an idea and then just rush and just knock it out? Because it seems like you can, you put out videos, you know, in pretty rapid succession. They look like they take a lot of work. How do the, how does the idea to, to publish process work for you with these things? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really very much a, I, I kind of script it out in 20 minutes or so, because I find that the more I think about it, the more I'm going to remove things. Mm. And I've learned this about myself and you as, as a, as an also funny guy, maybe you've, you've learned this about yourself too. I don't know if it's common in people who like to think of themselves as funny. <laughs> um, that, was, that sounded like it was a dig on you. Sorry. I bet me, like I, you know, I, I, I'm being <laughs> humble about it. Um, but, uh, it's, it's like. The, the more you think about it, the more you overanalyze something, the more you, you realize it's it's not as funny. It's like when I, I'll go back to like, and I'll definitely get your question, I promise. But like when I watched like uh, uh, Adult Swim, when that first kind of became a thing on Cartoon Network, right? I was blown away by the fact that you could tell these people wrote these episodes or these bits or whatever in like 10 minutes and just like, we're done, let's move on. And there was such a freedom, like that, that was just like a, a, a very romantic idea. And I've been trying since college, basically, is when I kind of found Adult Swim. <laughs> to learn to do that and it's tough and i think with those those types of videos i'm finally at the point where i can be like i'm just gonna throw this stuff out there if it makes me laugh that's good enough and i think a lot of the bits in those videos are definitely like 
no one's going to laugh at this, but man, it makes me funny. Like there's one where I'm cleaning a, a game controller for like, because it was COVID-19, like how to keep your game stuff safe. <laughs> so it's me cleaning like a controller with a toothbrush, you know, get in there. And I flipped the controller over and I had put like fake teeth on the other end. And oh, I started I brushing lo- them I too. I lose it there every time. Every <laughs> really? So time. like, yes. that's one of those things I'm like, there's, there's no one's going to laugh, but this makes me laugh. I so didn't I do see a it lot coming, of that even now. though it was, it's in the thumbnail. <laughs> I still, I was, I, oh, after right. like a couple minutes in, I was like already forgotten about the teeth. Then, then the teeth that you do this great reveal and there's these false teeth in the bottom of the controller. It just kills me. And people listening to this have no idea what we're like. It just sounds so bizarre, but you have to watch the video to get the full effect on why it's so hilarious. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. And, the, and so most of the videos end up being just a couple minutes long, honestly, which is terrible for watch time. It's terrible for YouTube monetization. But again, I think I'm past that in my life where I like want to be like, you know, the subscriber stuff from booktube, like really chasing after those, that was just post college and I'm an old man with kids now. And so I do it really just, if it makes me laugh, it's going to go in there. That's good. No, that's good. It's, it's one of those things that I think, uh, you sort of have to, to convince yourself that whatever you create and publish, whether it be podcasts, videos, um, whatever, even a book, you should be doing it for you and let the, let it be for the audience kind of second. That way, your your validation really just comes from one place and that's you as long as you're proud of it that's really all that should matter yeah and do uh, let me ask you actually a quick question um you know i you don't really talk about your nest friend video uh, channel too terribly much on this because this, this obviously is, is about the people you're interviewing and stuff but mm. i'm I, as i watch your nest friend videos too i'm wondering how much of that and this is sort of a leading question because i'm asking because i feel this way just <laughs> but how much of how much of that is like i want to record my thoughts on this game almost for like posterity. Like I might be old and senile one day, but if I'm ever like, I wonder what I thought about that game. It's almost like journaling, but in a video format in a way. And so I approach things a lot of times, especially when I do like, I do a lot of video game book reviews. So any nonfiction book about video games out there, there's a good chance I've reviewed it on my site and and not many people watch them and that's okay. But I know that like one of these days, I'm going to wonder what I thought about that book because maybe I want to read it again or whatever. And I'm just wondering like from Nest Friend, because those videos have that same kind of feel where it's like, I want to talk about this game. I want to give a little bit of history about it, my thoughts on it, how it played. Do you ever think in terms of what, what am I going to, about the future? Like what, how, yeah, I guess that's my question. <laughs> yeah, that is, it, it's a big part of it actually. I, I think the the main inspiration was just, um, I collect the video games and so they're just in my house. And I thought it was a good exercise to, go through and play and and record and review these things as part of a mission to actually participate with the things that I've been hoarding in my house. (laughs) They're not just, it's not just big plastic art on a shelf. Uh, They're actually things that do things. And so it was a way to sort of force me into playing some, some of the ones that um, I would ignore otherwise. And and then the other thing is, and you you might notice um, there's a sort of a different brand of me uh in nest friend mm-hmm. so like on polykill even on tales of the lesser medium which we'll talk about here shortly and to a degree even on drunk friend i'm i'm much looser and um i i get uh rowdy and raucous and i'll I'll say the bad words and, and and bring up certain topics that are uh you know a little edgy for the sake of comedy and nest friend i i keep it mostly as sterile as possible because my idea was that this would be the one thing that i would be proud to show my daughter if mm. she found so she was ever like, Dad, why is our basement overrun with all of these old plastic things? <laughs> like, honey, let me show you what Daddy's been up to in the other side of the basement on the computer. I've been making these videos <laughs> that sort of chronicles these. It tells you which ones are worth playing and which ones are not worth playing. And we have all of the ones in the videos here, except for little Samson. I totally 
uh, use the emulator for that <laughs> one because I, you know, Daddy's not rich, and you're not going to get to go to college because I could I bought all these games instead. <laughs> but maybe you'll appreciate all of this that I've done. So in some way, yeah, it was it was sort of a um, and I, I started the channel basically as soon as my daughter was born, like on paternal leave. Hmm. You know, you you don't have a whole lot of time when you have a newborn, but in some ways you do. I, I wasn't going to work for eight weeks, and so whenever she was asleep, I was just sitting down, sort of writing down ideas and planning the channel because I was like, I really think I can do this. And I think it would be a cool thing. It's, you know, I'm really into video games. Uh, my dad was really into beer and fishing, and he didn't leave me either of those things. So at least, <laughs> you know, it, it's video games. It might be a little silly, but maybe she'll she'll find some enjoyment of it um, someday. Yeah, that's very cool. I like that. A lot. I, I do notice uh, on Nest Friend and then on even on SNES Drunk, I feel like you, your personality is really good at recognizing when a situation calls for an anchor. Like, so... And I don't know if maybe this is like a, a sort of, um, a, a, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the two types of personalities, extrovert, introvert. I don't know if it's like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but I've noticed even when I've met you in person and stuff, like you're, you, you, you have this persona uh, of being like sort of, you know, wacky and, and funny and out there and stuff. And then, but like on SNES, or on uh, yeah, SNES Drunk, um, I'm sorry, on Drunk Friend. Uh, drunk friend. There we go. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I think you want people to make that mistake now. Um, uh, on Drunk Friend, I recognize like it's, like it's very it's very obvious that you sort of keep the conversation moving forward. You're the person there to like sort of guide the conversation, make sure it moves forward, make sure things are happening. In the same way, like when we go to uh, our, our cons like every year and stuff like that, any of those cons that you organize and, and set up and stuff, which you do so much work for that and, and you don't get enough praise for that but well, thank you. um and i'm not going to give it to you here because i <laughs> I, I think you're stupid <laughs> but like you could tell that you anchor that so anyway i guess that was a long way of saying that you do a really good job of that you recognize when it's needed but then at the same time you know that if someone else is doing that and that happens in polykill a lot sometimes jake will be the one to sort of be the more stoic one and then you're like okay he's stoic now that means i can take a step back and be kind of funny and right. crazy and weird and and it's really cool that you're able to do that and i i i i look upon an awe yeah, I I would I'll just go ahead and call out my inspiration for podcasting while we're at it too because I think it's a really good. I'm segue. right here. It's Caleb J. Ross. Uh, no, it's <laughs> it's actually it's a podcast that I think uh, honestly I think it's very popular, but I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. So I won't say I modeled my entire life after it, but I'm a really big fan <laughs> of the last podcast on the left guys, and they are they are very skilled at balancing absurd stuff with like intense research. They can talk about a very serious thing. And make it very wacky, and then there's the guy in the middle that sort of, sort of keeps it all very balanced and even. And I think uh, I, I I don't know that I have the natural talent for it, but I've certainly been inspired by how you know how they they manage to balance the ship and and keep it um, approachable for a lot of people. I think, uh, which is my goal. Well, I've recognized it, so that must that must mean something. Yes, yes. And so speaking of that, I think it makes for a good segue. Um, although I was going to ask you about one other thing. And so I'm going to cut off my own segue because <laughs> uh, I was going to say I kicked off this very lonely episode, uh, Alexless, and I started off the first, uh, and, and this can be like a really quick answer from you if you if you have one, but I kicked it off by talking a little bit about confidence to create because I think that's that's a hurdle for a lot of people, especially for me. Mm. I, um, I'm i not one that's stricken with a lot of confidence. I, I don't, uh, I have a lot of imposter syndrome in a lot of areas. And so I think one of the big hurdles for me in getting anything just started, just getting it out the gate, is just convincing myself that it's, you know, I'm, I should do it. I, you know, if I should be, I'll be proud of it. If, if it gets praised, then it, it deserves it. It's not fake. And because I think a lot of times I just fool myself into thinking that, 
whatever. It's it's not it, completely genuine. People are just being nice and that kind of thing. Uh, do you do you have any of these issues and the things you create? So you you know you've gone from books to games. You really think outside the box. A lot of your videos are, um, you know, s- certainly n- not the A to B to C that you see with a lot of like gaming content. You really try to reach out and and do whatever you can to to be funny or to 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 tie it to a video game. Do you have any confidence issues with that? Is there anything that sort of just uh, sticks in your crawl or, or holds you back from being really creative sometimes? Uh, I, I used to have confidence issues big time, and I'd say the, the thing that got me over that, um, and this isn't necessarily anything that anyone else can do, so I don't know if this is going to be helpful, but when I was in college, I went to college for writing specifically, and one of my first writing classes was almost entirely dedicated to how to critique things and also how to receive criticism. Um, it, it went so far as to when you had a story that you had written, and keep in mind, these are all people who are pretty new to it, so all of the stories are going to be terrible. Um, although they don't know that a lot of people feel very high about themselves. Sure. Um, so I would, so the teacher, uh, Amy Sage Webb is her name. She's author too. She's a great, fantastic person, instructor, everything. She, um, she did something really, really smart. And, and the person who had the story that, that was to be critiqued that time, there's one person and then a circle of other people that would all talk about the story. They would have read it, uh, the night before or whatever. So they have stuff to say about it. The person who wrote it was not allowed to say anything. They couldn't defend anything. They couldn't talk about anything. They just had to sit there and take it. And that was really, really, really eye-opening because it, and, and also what she would do a lot of times is the person who wrote the story would like sit in a chair almost like outside of the circle. So this person was physically removed from this group of people who were all going to talk bad about this thing you've made. Wow. And it was all, I mean, it was critique. So, right, so was there any like, was there any room for positive criticism or it, like it really, you had to really pick it apart? There was, but she, our, our professor, was really quick to point out when someone was just trying to fluff because they didn't feel confident about giving the negative feedback, right? Like, or I guess the constructive feedback. Yeah, feeling like um, a little non-confrontational yes. or just uneasy about hurting right. the other person. Okay, yeah. And removing the person from the from the circle also helped those people get comfortable making those criticisms. Um, and so it was really really helpful because the biggest thing that it did was it allowed me to divorce the commentary from this thing this thing was like no longer mine and they were talking about it from like a story lens this story doesn't work because this character doesn't deserve to do this thing that you allowed them to do or they wouldn't say you this story doesn't work because the story doesn't allow the story to do you know a lot of those sort of switching out almost pronouns in a way to sort of distance themselves and she was very adamant about that and i've taken that into just my adult life and everything else i when i see something negative i i'm like they're commenting on this thing that i made they're not really Mm -hmm. commenting on me um, at the same time though, I mean, I'm just like everyone else. I get, I get, I get angry when things <laughs> don't get as many views as I thought they should. I get angry when people don't get what I gave that, what I think they're supposed to get. At the same time, I'm just getting much better at recognizing that they didn't get it because I didn't do something right. I didn't make it the way to make it receivable. If someone doesn't understand something I'm doing, that is my fault, right. whether I want to admit it or not, it is. Um, so yeah, so I still have those problems, but I'm getting much better at it. And I think as I get older, that's really it because I have so many other things in my life that I love and that I that I that keep me going that a a number of subscribers or views doesn't really have the kind of impact that that it used to. And I I'm it takes taking me a long time to accept that and I'm still trying to accept that to be honest, but I'm getting there. When I'm dead, I'll finally stop caring. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that's a that's a very good answer, man. That's a, that's uh that's very interesting. I I don't know if there's a class you can sign up for downtown or you can just sit outside a circle and let people pound you <laughs> into forgiving yourself, but um, I'd sign up for it. Maybe we should start that, a traveling uh, critique organization. We'll just do it. Ah, uh, Go for it, man. 
Yeah, you travel to the Kansas City area, and I'm there. All right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not leaving, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, so my segue was actually, I brought up uh, my favorite podcast, uh, last podcast on the left, or one of my favorite podcasts, and I was inspired by what they do in that I thought, you know, hey, uh, video game narratives are um, ridiculous. They're often not even good, in my opinion. Uh, I think they have a really hard time telling a story. Some are clearly better than others, uh, and, and some people are very tied to video game stories, so I'm not trying to offend those people and be like, you know, your stories are stupid. Certainly some are, some are decent. But I think uh, in terms of a storytelling medium, it's not, uh, the be- it's not a book. Books are probably the best at it. You know, you might argue that. Um, so I thought, wouldn't it be fun if we went through some video game narratives, maybe some popular ones, and just sort of broke them down and, and, and made fun of them? Uh, made them stand outside the circle while we, while we flogged them uh, with our critiques. And, and this, this goes back to another thing you talked about where you said you, you sort of liked doing the robot chicken skits. Um, and that's, that's a big part of what we're doing. So in Tales of the Lesser Medium, that's what Caleb and I are doing. Uh, we, Caleb reads uh, the, the narrative that we've scripted out as best as possible, what we think is the most acceptable canon. And uh, then we just, you know, we, we, we really get into the dramatic parts and, and let the story speak for itself. And when it steps off beat and it doesn't make any sense, we just beat it down. And we have fun doing that. <laughs> and even if it does make a little bit of sense... Uh, we construe it so that it definitely doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Um, it, it's, it's, we, we try as hard as we can to find as many places to, to make people laugh as possible. Make us laugh. Anyway. Yes. And that's, I mean, again, that's the thing. Make it for yourself. So that's, that's been the really fun process of this is, in, in my opinion, like the, the writing out the scripts, like having to watch all of the cut scenes for the game. So the, the first four episodes that we're going to release on this will, will be out on May 26th. And we are um, doing the first four games in the Resident Evil series. And so, you know, having to watch all the cutscenes and all the stuff for these games and, you know, replaying portions, reading plot summaries, finding uh, the Resident Evil wiki form and trying to, like, tie all that stuff together, putting all the facts together. That's like that's like the arduous, boring thing um, <laughs> that I didn't expect to dislike as much as I do at this point. But it all pays off because there is about a week before we record where we get to go through and just make fun of it and add as many fun scripts as we can or sketches as we can. And that is, I mean, uh, second to recording the actual things, uh, the writing, the jokes part is my favorite part of the process. I don't know about you. We absolutely because I don't do any of the writing of the script. That's that's all you. You take that burden on. So if I were to complain about any part of it, I'd look like a total jerk. <laughs> that's how. Um, I learned but you yeah, in. the writing I was like, the hey, do you want to be a part of something and not really do anything, but but be funny? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, sign me up. I mean, yeah, you sign me up. I'm not doing it. Like, come on, I, I've already divorced myself from any responsibility. Um, yeah, no, that's absolutely my favorite part of it. Um, obviously, getting to to just record with you is, is super fun fun um and making those skits i mean it's fun because it really is sort of that lizard brain of let's just i i know what i write the skits that i write like that's the way it is i'm basically not i'm just imagining two of the most ridiculous people in the world talking to each other about this weird situation and sometimes they are trying to make sense of this weird situation like they approach it from like this is how this happens let's let's talk about it sometimes it's absolutely ridiculous like one i do remember very specifically was i think it's in our first episode so that might be the one that people can listen to on on uh may 26th is uh in in resident evil one there's a part when you walk into the police station and there's a a surprise party that had been abandoned 
And our skit was basically like the two people who are in the charge of planning the surprise party and how their one person is like still like it's it, it it's a success. And the other person's like, no, there, there's zombies out there. Uh, and it just kind of played back and forth on that a little bit. It was it was just so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I actually I think that's the second episode. But yes, that is. Ah. It, it, I mean, to me, they're all fun. I, I like re- seeing I hopefully you get as excited about seeing the ones that I put in there because I'll go through there. And I get excited. I'm like, okay, it looks like Caleb because I'll get the email and it's like on Google Drive, Caleb J. Ross has made 197 edits to your page. And I'm like, sweet. <laughs> and I get to go, go through and see what what uh, is cooking in your brain for the last 20 minutes. And uh, it's always a treat. So hopefully other people. To be fair, those. To be fair, those edits are mostly because I read these things out loud, and so I need to make sure I put commas that'll remind me to take a breath, otherwise I'll pass out. <laughs> and while I, some may argue that would be a better podcast if it was just Trav. <laughs> no, that's uh, not true. It might, be, it might be more difficult for him. No, no. If, if people thought that just me was a good podcast, I'm sure that, uh, you know, they, they, I don't know. We, we've been doing this whole episode <laughs> with, with just me or the beginning of it anyway, and they're probably like, I already miss Alex. <laughs> Where's the guy that knows a lot about the Super Nintendo games <laughs> and '90s basketball? He knows a lot about uh, '90s man. basketball and the '90s in general, actually. And he's not here to to take up for himself, but like the dude is a '90s savant. It is incredible, like <laughs> basketball, hockey, uh, music, football, it's any sport, uh, video games. Obviously, I mean, I don't remember anything about the year 2011. Name a thing that happened in 20. 20- <laughs> I can't name one thing. That happened. It was that wasn't nine eleven was in two thousand one. So I have no idea <laughs> what happened. But he can tell you everything that happened every day in the whole decade of the nineties. It's insane. All right, so everyone, that's that's been Caleb. We got to wrap it up here. We're again, Tales of the Lesser Medium. Pretty sweet name, I think, for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't come up with it all by myself. I'll be honest, I had help. But that's just how things go. Uh, also, if you know of the musician Brad Sucks, which I think 11, 11 12 people do. He did our intro and outro theme, so I thought he was more popular than he is. That he won't listen really? to this to, to be hurt by that. But um, he was on Pandora in like 2008, and I thought I was like, okay, so I would be listening to Pandora in grad school in 2008, and I'm like, sweet, that was a great Danzig song. What's coming on next? Brad sucks. Wow, he must be popular. He's, he's on the same radio station as Danzig. Uh, and then little years ne- later, he has his own Wikipedia page, but. Seems like I'm the only one that's heard of it. Few people know that he was actually heir to the Pandora fortune. Oh, so it? he kind of, I know it was that uh, it was that uh, non meritocracy way of getting in there. What's that? God damn it! I wish I could remember the word because it'd be way funnier. Uh, 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 when when your family gets things because of your family, uh, they were annihilated. Um, ah, they so close. Uh, I, <laughs> terrible dismount. Non meritocracy um, was pretty good though. Yeah, it's 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 a word like meritocracy, but it's uh it's uh nepotism. Oh, it, that's nepotism. just that's like non meritocracy. Well, it's kind of like means the opposite of that. Right, meritocracy. You, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, and for those of you who are curious about the name Brad sucks, so was I. So even though Trav says that he may not be as popular, I think he should be because I when when Trav said, "Hey, we should get this guy Brad sucks to do it," I I genuinely thought it was just one of those musicians who sings about farts and stuff and that was like i know i would have been cool with that i would have been on board but it turns out he's actually like legitimately cool and right and it's uh it's really good music so you thought he would have done like some of the backing tracks for like an e-bombs world video and you're like exactly what? exactly yeah. he would have been like a weird owl wannabe but but farts yeah i'll just yeah. bring farts back into no, he's it. legit yeah. he's legit i i enjoy his music yeah, he is. 
So anyway, if you're into any of that, if you're into Resident Evil, either me or Caleb, you don't have to be into both uh, to enjoy it, I don't think. And or Brad sucks. And uh, being interrupted constantly in your story uh, listening. With, like, imagine listening to an Audible book, but then every eight seconds they pipe in John Mulaney and then he leaves. Maybe not as funny as John Mulaney, but that kind of agitation. You should check it out on May 26th. It'll be everywhere, and I'm definitely not going to shut up about it on this podcast, uh, even when Alex comes back. He can't stop me. So (laughs) thank you, Caleb, for joining us. Uh, Hopefully we have you back again soon. Maybe you'll have some news about some stuff, uh, you know, some stuff that you're working on. I would love to deliver some good news about some stuff I'm working on. Fingers crossed. All of you out there, cross your fingers for me. You don't know what it is, but... Just cross your fingers anyway. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's quite a cliffhanger and uh, a very <laughs> mysterious thing we're parting on. But uh, yeah, all right. Well, thanks again, man. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. We got more episodes to record. Adios. Thank you all. <laughs> thanks, you all. all right. This guy writes books. All right, and our second guest tonight is my good friend, my good pal, my day wife, <laughs> Musty Hobbit. You can find him on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter at Musty Hobbit. He does all of those things as well as be a co-host for the Cartridge Club Game of the Month podcast. So without further ado, let's get Musty. All right, Musty, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, man. I know it was short notice, but I appreciate you dropping by for a drunk friend. Yeah, I appreciate it. I was really excited to see this show get going, and so to be on, it means a lot. So thank you for thank you for having me. Yeah, so we'll get to why you know a lot of my secrets in just a minute, but I will point out, though, this is the first time we've been on a podcast together since we talked about Catherine on the 360 as a Cartridge Club podcast. Is that right? That is, yeah, that is true. That's a good one. Uh, I was on one of your off-kilters, though, like a couple oh, of weeks true. ago. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but I, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I, I don't tout that podcast for some reason. I don't know, maybe because it's bad. But, um, you know, you're, well, you do the, the Cartridge Club Game of the Month podcast here and there, right? Yeah, so the Cartridge Club is uh, a group of people who sort of formed around what effectively was a a book club for games. Uh, so we kind of centered that around a game of the month. Uh, and yeah, so the month that we, we were on together, I was one of the co-hosts and you were one of our guests talking about uh, Catherine. But we've played, we play all kinds of stuff. We've even mixed in um, a PC title here or there. We've done, uh, we've done a Zelda game every year. We actually had um, Alex on for our Chrono Trigger episode uh, last August, which was uh, great to have him on. I know how highly he feels about that game in particular. He might like it. He might just, enjoy just a, Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. That might be why he started a YouTube channel was just so he could talk about Chrono Trigger. But yeah, sorry you don't get to talk to Alex. I know you're a fan, but he's not. He, you know, he. I told him I might have you on. He decided he'd take it off. So, um, I'm not sure how to that. take that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. And before we get too far in the weeds, and I'll I'll talk about what you just talked about. But what are you drinking? I I still have a, um, and I talked about this in the intro. You haven't heard yet, but I'm I'm still drinking just a mix of vodka and olives because I am the dirtiest, grimiest old man at the end of every bar. 
That's good. Uh, for me, I uh, am still drinking beers, but I do tend to go local. Uh, there's a f- number of breweries here in eastern Iowa that uh, need to be supported, and uh, I am doing what I can to do that. Uh, one of the ones in particular, one of my favorites, uh, is up in Decorah, Iowa, and they are called Toppling Goliath. I'm not sure how national they are at this point, but they make some of the finest ipas that i have ever had um there was one they did their kind of flagship one is called pseudo sue and it is a joint venture between them and the field museum if you know the field museum in chicago oh yeah sue is the t-rex that's there the like complete t-rex so yeah so there's a big t-rex on the front of the can Um, it's fun it's really good and they they do a lot of experimental stuff they do kind of small batch and I don't know if it's small batch but they have special releases right now they're doing like curbside stuff I have not taken the drive up there but whenever we get our groceries brought in uh, I'm usually have a six pack from them or from uh, one of the other a couple other breweries in the area um, back pocket or big grove or reunion those are some ones that I I Man. really like we got a like bunch. To feed the feed the locals there. Yeah, that's good. I we you know we to. have a lot of we have a lot of good local beer here. Um, my wife though, she has been. I usually buy my own beer. I I don't. Um, she she doesn't usually provide beer for us. But uh, lately, because we you know, the times you have to do like a click list. You really got to be prepared. We try to get all our grocery shopping done in one fell swoop. So she's been doing a lot of it and. For the last couple weeks, I was just saying, like, hey, could you just, you know, put some beer on there, pick up some beer? And it's always been Bud Light. And I know she knows that I drink Bud Light. That's my sport beer. You know, if I'm going to get into some drinking games or go to a party or something, I'll load up on Bud Light because I'm trying to make a night out of it. You know, I'm not trying to, like, pass out behind a dumpster. You're not not in a hurry. Not in a hurry, right? Yeah, I'm not in a hurry, right? But, uh, you know, when I'm drinking by myself, which I've been doing nonstop for two months, I like to taste something. (laughs) <laughs> right mm-hmm. so i i told her i was like if you come you know get some beer honey i love you if you if you wouldn't mind putting a little beer on the list it'd be great and if you come like i don't i'm not picky but if you come home with bud light i'll jump off our porch i'll do it <laughs> i can't i can't take i can't put it to my lips one more time i am done uh so i might be getting something fancy i like to be surprised though i'll hopefully you know i'll drink whatever she comes home with but hopefully it's something good maybe it's Coors, so, the banquet beer <laughs> there we go yeah uh, what a what a yeah uh, what a Difference in flavor between Bud Light and Coors. There is, actually, but not what I'm looking for. Okay, let's go back to the Cartridge Club for a minute. That's how you and I met. Okay, True. we yeah. I, I started a... I, well, I didn't start it. Uh, I, I do a podcast with my buddy Jake, which is the reason I ever got into podcasting to begin with. I didn't even know what a podcast was before I met Jake. And then um, after a year, of, year or so of just he and I... Um, podcasting into the ether, not really getting a lot back, suddenly... There was a fella, Diego, shout out, who introduced us to the Cartridge Club, and the Cartridge Club embraced us. So we, we sort of got married to this nice group of people that you were a part of, and that's how you yeah. and I first met. Exactly. And so now you do these these Game of the Month podcasts for the Cartridge Club. What was or What's the next one that you were hosting? So I'm actually hosting in June, uh, and we are going to be playing the first Gears of War. We, oh, that's we, a good one. Yeah, we, we, we haven't... We don't get to do Xbox exclusives that often. Save your jokes, um, but because but, uh, there's because there's because there's not many. <laughs> there you go. 
but we wanted to we wanted to pick a good one and uh i thought this would be nice there's a chance for online co-op it's had recent uh, kind of revisions to an ultimate version but uh it's kind of tough when you get a series that's four or five uh episodes or releases deep uh because then you run into that problem of where do we pick? Is the third one the best one? Well, should we play the third one and just right. kind of push everyone off who hasn't played it? Should we play the first one, even if it's just like marginally less? Um, yeah. be- because you might introduce more people. Uh, we're trying to do this thing, and I think um, we're looking at through the rest of this, quote, season, which our seasons roll over in August into September, uh, really looking for some some heavy hitters uh in, in in that uh we are playing uh in the retro space because you know that you know the folks who listen to this listen to drunk especially they yeah. love the retro well love i it. i got i got good news then because uh in july we're playing yoshi's island on the super there Nintendo. you go uh so Crowd we're goes wild I'm yay sure. we're we're definitely excited for that one um and then we did a vote uh our club has uh our own uh patreon and they uh, nominate games and we have a vote for one, you know, one of the month out of the year. We end up doing that, and then Witcher Three ended up landing on that one. And so, uh, well, talking about retro, was it twenty fifteen? Yeah, super. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one's a hefty one too. So, I mean, hopefully, I guess people are just going to have to have a lot of time at home and maybe just you know commit to playing the game. So the sooner they can get started, the better. But or just uh, watch the show, man. That's that's a great show. There you go. I, I um, haven't watched it yet. Oh, dude, you're missing out. I know, hey, we right? We did a whole Jake and I did a whole polykill about how much we loved how hot Henry Cavill was. Oh, I, I I'm there. I w- I'm there. I would say out of all the episodes we've done, that's the one I regret the least somehow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Cartridge Club. Everyone, please. I mean, if you're listening to this, go check out Cartridge Club at cartridgeclub.org. Uh, see what's going on there. Playing a game every month, all the time. There's a lot of cool stuff going on there, and that's how Musty and I met. Happy story, yada yada great i want to move into uh, a little more about what you've been up to musty specifically you don't have to come here as an ambassador for the club you can be yourself you're always an ambassador for the club chill out man (laughs) um you and i we talk every single day i've talked to you probably more than i've talked to my wife over the last year and that's that's not an indictment on my marriage i'm happily married but you and i talk non-stop through some form, it was Twitter while you had to be at your office. Evidently, your office blocks Discord. But now that we've been at home, we've been able to just cling to the Discord and chat pretty incessantly. You know, we, we you know we talk some shit. We we have some fun. We share videos. We uh, make plans for for what we're going to do with our content. We and uh, the big thing for me, and I've mentioned you in a couple podcasts, is that you were my nest friend proofer. So. Given that this podcast is drunk friend, I got half the namesake here. Um, Nest friend videos wouldn't really be what they are without Musty giving it that nod of approval before I hit go. And I, I appreciate that, Musty. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. I I I, I like doing it. I, I don't know for some reason I have I have a good feel for that type of uh, editing. Uh, and I, and I don't feel like I do a lot. Like let me let me just make it clear here. It's not like I'm I'm guiding the ship at all here but like if i i think a lot of it the the biggest things i think i've asked her like does this really sound right like like just just like <laughs> a, a sentence here or there um right right I, I i think i i like getting to see your videos 
early uh, and catching, you know, a thing here or there, uh, I still have one that is my most favorite moment that I have caught of a video for you. But was it the uh, was it the one where you caught one frame where something didn't line up? Yes. Uh, it, was, just randomly it was one of on. the, it was one of the, yeah. So one, one of the transitions toward, <laughs> toward, toward the end, you, you'd like to talk about the other games that are kind of like the game that are part of the, yeah, uh, yeah. the video that you were talking about. And, and it, there was one frame where the, the video for the arcade unit was a frame behind the overlay for the arcade. <laughs> and I happened to just push pause in that moment Ugh. and caught it and said, Whoa, that doesn't look right. And then I had to, I I mentioned it to you. I gave you a timestamp, and you went and you're. I I don't know what your reaction was like, but uh, well, I, I, I looked. Like, I had oh to, man, he's right. <laughs> yeah, I had to zoom in like four hundred percent on the timeline, and I was like, yeah, there it is. I, I couldn't believe you landed. Of I mean, a frame. So it's like you know, way less than a second. <laughs> you landed on this mm-hmm. perfect moment that probably no one else would have ever called out. But the fact that you pointed out, you found it. I had to go in and and change it and re-export it for one frame where something didn't line up. But uh, but that's the kind of attention to detail that your proofer needs, folks. That's that's good work right there. That was awesome. But no, I do. I send them to you. I get excited. And, and I think um, Daria touched on this, I think, in one of our first episodes, and she was talking about how when she gets done with the video, she just can't wait. She needs that feedback. And I get that. I get that, absolutely. Um, anytime you create anything you want to see, and you know, I think it stems from growing up. Whenever you draw a picture, you want to see if your mom thought it was good enough to go in the fridge. You run up and show her what you got. And so I, I do get excited about sharing the things I've made. And that's actually a, a big reason why Polykill, our our main podcast, has has the Patreon. is because we're like, we're creating a lot of things that um, we kind of like some feedback on or, or need that nod of approval from trusted folks if it's good enough to go out into the wild. And that's that's really a good a good use for, for our Patreon, especially is, is, hey, will you proof this? Uh, but for Nest Friends, I let you do it because I know you don't mind. And uh, I don't mind at all. I and I do. I, I talked about this in the intro. I, I'm going through some school stuff right now. And in, have, in going through my document, anytime I had someone proof it, they always pointed out the, the sentence. I have really bad sentence structure. I will write a sentence and then I'll, I'll change it so much that I won't, I won't actually change like <laughs> the real important things like the... Uh, the plural, the plural nouns, and and all that stuff, and I'll just leave them in there, and it just it ends up sounding like a four year old was trying to write it, and I I don't I don't ever catch it, I don't know why. So I appreciate uh, your astute, very astute eye for when things don't don't sound right or look right. It's very helpful. You're welcome. So I actually said that we were going to talk more about you, and I talked all about me. So let's talk about you now. It's your turn. Um, but first about me again. So I just recorded a Dia Tribe, the whole intro of this podcast, and you haven't heard it. No one's heard it yet. I just recorded it like 20 minutes ago. And I know you're the second guest in this episode, so the timeline's going to be confusing for people. We're going to have, I'm going to interview Caleb tomorrow, who's going to go in the front because I'm trying to tout something that I'm going to put out later that you've also proved. Anyway, I recorded this whole thing about confidence and imposter syndrome, because I think that's a big hurdle for creators. That's a big hurdle for anyone doing anything, honestly. And I got to say, after I've recorded it, I'm feeling a little non-confident about it. Might delete it later. I don't know. I don't know. What's your experience with that? Do you, do you, does that a big hurdle for you? Um, the confidence to create, being, uh, having imposter syndrome, whether it be, I know you, you're doing a little bit of Twitch stuff, some YouTube stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you have 
any thoughts on those two specific things, confidence and imposter syndrome? I think I think I could probably speak to the confidence thing more than I can imposter syndrome. I I, I find myself being great at ideas. At least I think I'm great at ideas. Uh, right. I find myself coming up with things to be like, oh, it'd be this would be great. Uh, for me, I think I, I I think some of it is in the execution that uh, that. Uh, gets a little shaky now all of that is kind of a cycle and it all kind of rolls back and it then can affect your confidence even more but um so prior to kind of taking over as like one of the co-hosts for that for the cartridge club podcast like i i was doing youtube more regularly uh at least a video a week sometimes two uh and it it was i don't know serviceable i i i liked the content that i was making in that point but um there were there were times that would come up where where i was just i started to kind of hit this like rough patch and decided to dial things back a little bit and i started to like really look at what i was doing and 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 i look out there and i see some of the people who make content on the regular like the people who are consistent you probably know some of them in the retro space they have sure big names um Snass drunk. Snass drunk is and, and what a guy. One, one of them in particular. And it's like and, and then I and then I look at myself and it's like, well what am what am I doing here? Like like why 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 is what I'm like why do people owe me any of their time? And I think I think it was kind of messing with me and it was it was it was actually something at one point that I kind of backburnered um just because of I recently moved, I had some other stuff going on. Um and during that time, I really was kind of self-reflecting on what I wanted to do because I feel this innate drive to want to create things. Yes. But yes. that drive sometimes gets out of whack or sometimes I just need to kind of reassess. And so I, in, in, in that moment, I was really thinking about it and I started to look at Twitch as a platform. Uh, and so I kind of shifted... I started doing a lot of research, a lot of research. I started looking at like, okay, somebody wants to create on Twitch or uh, create on Twitch is kind of a weird term because like, <laughs> yeah. like, because there are quote content creators on Twitch, but then it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel the same. Uh, yeah. Cause you, I mean, you're, you're, you're performing, right? True. I mean, that's, yeah. that's still, uh, it's still creative. It's still an outlet, but I think it would be, you know, it's more creative if you're, you know, like well, that one night you played Barbie Tail Barbie Horse Adventures or whatever, and you were wearing <laughs> yeah. a wig and a hat. Like that was creative. It was, but and it and was I'm not... it was certainly attention getting, and I think that that was really <laughs> yeah helpful in that moment. Yeah, uh, I mean, and I, I think a lot of the improv, uh, improvisations that people do while streaming is certainly. I'm not saying that it's like not creative, but it's also very in the moment. It's not something that is typically archivable unless you're just like really good and people want to watch stuff even if they miss it uh for for most people that's not the case i guess is what i'm trying yeah i mean there are some people who have made their self known because of their ways of dealing with uh trolls their ways of addressing um people who come in and just you know not have you know they they just aren't going to put up with it and and then that becomes something that they can then push out to twitter and then it gets it goes viral like the virality of twitch i feel like is is greater than that of youtube but 
it's an entirely different style of audience. You know, I, I, I think Twitch aligns more with some of the other kind of viral social media-esque types, type things versus a YouTube where there is so much more information given. Right. And and because of that, you don't, you know, you go, some people go to YouTube to learn, whereas uh, you don't find quite as much of that going to Twitch. There is still some. There are people who go and they, they, they have piano lessons or they have uh, guitar lessons. Or there's one person that I have dropped in on who is a geology teacher and she starts off all of her streams with a full-on, like, 30-minute lesson. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's exciting. I want to get mean, there early for that. I mean, it's, it, it, it's almost like she's, like, workshopping her lesson plans, I think. Um but it's it's kind of interesting that she she's able to do that and and people dig that she does that and then she flows into the games. So the, the one of the challenges that I've found on Twitch is just like differentiation from the average person who just comes on there to who just says I'm going to play some rounds of Overwatch tonight. Uh, join <laughs> me, right? Like so when you look at it in that grand scheme like and and then I think about myself from these these kind of questions that I have of like what am I doing here? And I, I and I look at it. It's like, well, what, what? I'm always trying to find that extra little hook. Like, what's that right, extra little yeah. thing that that can make it? Um, you gotta can, have a hook, man. I think yeah. you know. For me, I don't watch a lot of Twitch, and it's 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 because I don't. I just it, I just don't think it's my thing. I watch people that um, I kind of know and I'm very familiar with. People that you specifically have turned me on to who may eventually be guests on the show, so I won't drop names in case they're not. But the um, the, it, the hook is the big thing. So the hook for, for me to you is that I know you, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. I can hang out with my buddy. Um, and I know that you've showed me there's a, a few guys with, or a few folks with some comedic hooks that are good as well. But it's very, it's very hard because it's very spontaneous. It's not like YouTube where everything is pre-thought. And so you're measured on, <laughs> you know everything whereas in twitch I, I don't know man it's it's harder to get into because like you said you need a hook you have to either be like really entertaining you have to and and maybe in some cases you have to be entertaining in another domain and then have a twitch audience based on people think that you're a great personality from somewhere else whether it be like you're a good youtuber so i'm going to follow you on twitch or you're a good uh instagrammer or or whatever tiktoker mm-hmm. or whatever it is I'll follow you on Twitch because I want to see what you're like when you're not uh, preparing yourself. And, and then that, there's and the guys. Yeah, go ahead. And, and and that's becoming the big the big thing now is that is that a lot of the people who are there who are telling you like you want the secret to growth on YouTube, growth as far as like expanding an audience. Uh, Twitch is not there yet for discoverability. You are not likely to just sit down and stream hit go live and start doing what you're doing. Even if you are the most exuberant, entertaining person, like discoverability on the platform is a, is a big, big challenge. Sure. There are plenty of other platforms out there. YouTube is the big one that is super searchable. You can, you can leverage all kinds of SEO and other buzzwords uh, to really get stuff seen. And then you utilize that. So everyone's saying now, create on YouTube, find something that you can do that you are uh, 
better at than anybody else or find something that you are passionate about that nobody else is doing or that other people are doing but just aren't doing the same way that you do it. And then utilize that as a way to sort of funnel people into Twitch as a platform. Use it as right. use it as, as an outreach method. Now, there are people who also will stream on YouTube. So I, I should say that any comments I'm making about streaming should apply to pretty much any platform. I just right, choose, right, of course. I, I just choose Twitch. Um, I At one point last year, uh, around the time that like Ninja and Shroud jumped for Mixer. Uh, oh, man, big drama. I thought oh, about follow, it. I followed that story on, what was it? Uh, what what's a what's a website that would cover that uh, nine gadget or whatever? I followed that. <laughs> well, it was it it is it, it's really interesting because that was some of the first times that 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 there was like national major news acknowledgement of that because it's the top of oh, it's it's, big, it's, yeah it's big yeah, money it, moving around. Anytime yeah, big money sure. moves, there's a there's a headline. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But now I. Mean, I you, you set up a good segue that I should bite on here, but I'm still I'm I'm going to talk a little bit more about Twitch in that I I wanted to ask you talked a little bit about the hurdle which is like what's the hook, what's the thing that gets people to me, and I wanted to kind of talk about I think the biggest difference between that and YouTube obviously is the bite size that you get. You can watch a five minute video on YouTube, really fall in love with the person that was in the video, and then choose to go watch them stream for three hours but on twitch streams can they can just not end and so being recommended to go somewhere else um isn't really twitch's priority if they have you locked in they'll let you watch that thing for 24 hours they don't have to throw another streamer in your face to keep you interested so i think twitch doesn't really have that obligation to spread you around like youtube does youtube is is ready at all times when that video ends to get you to the next thing before you lose your momentum. And Twitch just just does not have to do that. So I think um, you're right in that, yeah, it's good to probably be successful in some other platform. And then Twitch, that's not true for everybody, obviously. And some people just have, they just have this natural-born talent to just be magnetic when they're playing a, a video game. Something I wish I had. I wish I was, I wish I was so magnetic that people would watch me do anything. I do wish that, but I, I just am not. I'm lucky I, if I, I'm lucky if people watch me if I, I don't know. If I if I were, was naked running down the street, I'd be lucky if anyone noticed. So I think it's, it's, it's an impressive talent to have that. And I, to speak to your specific streams, so everyone that's listening to this, if you're still listening to this, you should check out uh, twitch.tv forward slash mustyhobbit. That's not a that's not an indictment on how he smells. He smells fine. But you should go there and check it out because he's got uh your setup's really good. The lighting is good. The the presentation is everything like you have followed every what you should definitely do to have a successful Twitch uh setup model. You've hit that you've hit the ABCs of that 100%. Uh not not to mention you're very affable, you're very friendly. People can gather that here from just listening to you. You're a very nice fella. Uh, I wouldn't surround myself and talk every day to someone who was who was less than that. And t- to boot all of it, you, you've got good eyes and good hair. So you're fun to look at. And so <laughs> I think uh, we just got to find the hook. And I, I think it's it's difficult on Twitch without some boost, some help, some, some something. So, folks, if you're out there and you're looking for a new Twitch streamer, please check out Musty Hobbit. And maybe this is my segue opportunity that you gave me earlier that I didn't take. Um, maybe... 
some of your work that you're planning on YouTube will will funnel folks toward that. And sure. so maybe you can talk a little bit about what you're working on on that platform. Yeah, so I've been workshopping an idea. I've been workshopping for quite a while. I, I, I think this was around the same time that you were you were uh, kind of getting uh, the wheels rolling on on Nest Friend. We were talking yeah. about we're talking about another Reasonable. another potential uh, similar style of like capsule review uh, of a specific game console. And so with that, I have to give you. I'm going to give you credit right now. So this is this is official that the credit is happening that you what? helped me hatch the name of uh, oh yeah the name the name yeah. of Xboxer briefs which are short brief reviews of Xbox games and that was that was the intention and that point was kind of to align with you they don't ride up they're just they're <laughs> elastic they fit just right they feel good on you. And also Xbox, Xbox, and also Xbox. Yes, yeah. And so uh, I had I had tried to get going on that. The the thing that I was finding in the, in the start was that uh, some Xbox games are significantly longer than both NES and Super <laughs> Nintendo games. Um, and that, so the, the, yes, yes, that kind of that kind of threw a wrench in my plans. However, uh, I'm I'm in the part now where needing to find. Uh, a hook the original xbox is a console that i'm particularly passionate about it's one of the uh, I, I of the games and systems that i collect for it is the one system other than the nes uh that i that i collect uh, that i have the most games for and i'm continuing in fact i have a lot number of games in transit right now because all i can do is impulse shop online right now amen but the plan is uh, to kind of get things rolling and having a more regular kind of presence because I think that uh, the Xbox itself, the OG, the OG, OG, right? We're coming up on twenty years. Next year will be the twentieth anniversary of the original Xbox. So I mean, effectively, some people call it retro. Some people resist that for some gatekeepy reason, and I can't figure it out. <laughs> uh, I mean, and, it's it's. Uh, I think um, it's a it's mildly post. And, and Snestruck made this uh, comment the other day. I think when he was doing his midnight Q and A because he's a robot and doesn't sleep, <laughs> he referred to uh, the generation prior to the Xbox, which would be the PS One and uh, the N sixty four as three D puberty. And I thought that was hilarious. That's and nice. so yeah, that's so nice. The, the Xbox is just post 3D puberty. I don't really know what considers anything retro, but I personally would consider it as as retro. I mean, um, if if people in college, if there's a chance people in college have never heard of it, I think it's retro. There you go. That's my stipulation, I guess. Well, I, I guess if the fifth generation was was 3D puberty, there's a lot of the Xbox's library that totally screams uh, that sort of teenage and like oh yeah yeah it listened like, to new metal it wore its hat weird it was definitely <laughs> just mildly post it definitely was attention attention wanting age for sure yeah and so so that i i was in my early 20s when that system came out um and or i was yeah oh my god <laughs> um, <laughs> 20 years I, I know right that's crazy um 
however, like, you know, there's a, there is a thriving retro scene on YouTube and there's a number of people yourself and both of you included, um, who, who laud a lot of the systems, but there's like this gap where there's just not a lot of people talking about the Xbox. There's a, you know, not specifically, right? Yeah. Like there's not the, there's a Glenn plant for N64. There's mega drive profile for the mega drive. So there's a lot of console specific, uh, focused, um, channels maybe even a few dreamcast ones but the dearth for the og xbox is i mean you've got a big hole to fill there i think mm-hmm. i mean for for a system that had nearly 900 releases on it uh right i feel like exclusives though to pick on xbox a little bit Do you oh know, there you go that uh the 236 i think is the number for exclusive titles that it's just yeah, that's a couple years of episodes. That's, that's pretty healthy, uh, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And 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 I, I I think that it just seems like Xbox even now. I think PlayStation's getting their kind of bump right now because it's their twentieth anniversary this year or something like that. There's some anniversary that twenty fifth for PS One this year. That feels right. Yeah, so, something like that. Um, Maybe. I, I I don't know. I just feel like the Xbox goes underappreciated by content creators in general. And I think that needs to change. And so uh, you're the guy to do it. You there do we it. go. That that's what I'd like to do. So uh, what I what I hope to do is to kind of get going with these Xbox or brief episodes, which will address an individual game. So far, I have one out there on my YouTube channel that uh, is for Disney's Extreme Skate Adventure, which was Tony Hawk, if you put it in Pixar movies, and The Lion King. It was good and though. It was fun. It it, 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 fun. it it is. It's it's a good time. Uh, and and it 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 works. It worked. Yeah, man. It Absolutely. worked. Absolutely. Uh, and then I also did one for Zionide, which is a twin stick shooter that kind of is in the vein of like Silphied for the Sega CD, like or uh, yeah. Panzer Dragoon, kind of like that kind of uh, seeming like corridor twin stick. Uh, it was interesting though. It looked good. It's it is a wild game. It is a wild game. It's kind of hard to find. Uh, I could see that one in a couple of years. Maybe when people wisen up to the Xbox, I could see that one becoming a little because more of you. popular. Because there of we you, go. Reddit's all a buzz. It's all about Reddit. Reddit mm-hmm. is on fire because of of Musty Hobbit and these Xbox or briefs. I can't wait, man. I'm, I'm not even really being facetious. I think <laughs> I think there there is honestly. I think there's always a need for for retro content on YouTube. Um, I mean, who would have thought that uh you know i know there's a lot of folks that do nes stuff but who would have thought like i would have gotten any traction given the you know the number of nes fans out there i mean i think most of the content is sort of collection oriented and not really game focused and maybe that was that's why um my videos sort of feel like a a small space there's definitely no there's no shortage of nes reviews i mean our friend uh pam who's been on the show uh already she just released a nice NES review on Isolated Warriors. So, I mean, it's not confined to, like, any one person or space. But I do like the dedicated channels. I think it's I think it's really neat. And I'm excited for Xbox or Briefs, man. I really hope that you can commit to it and stick to it. And I hope that it helps grow. I hope that it helps to grow your um, your Twitch work as well. Because you put a lot of work in to that. And you should reap benefits, which which would be, in, in Twitch world, uh, people. Yes. You need people. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, Get so some people. <laughs> I'm hoping the videos will kind of center around like collecting for the system. I've got a ton of weird accessories. Uh, there's a lot of other media. There's that was an age when there was still a lot of print media, um, and I have a uh, multitude of 
original Xbox magazines and demo discs and all kinds of little things there. I think in general, while while the channel will still remain named Musty Hobbit, I, I want that space to kind of be a celebration of, of Xbox, and I think now is the time to do it. Now is that youtube.com forward slash Musty Hobbit? It sure is. That's how you get there. Yeah, Musty Hobbit, as if, as if you found a, a, a large-footed small man in an old yearbook that smelled of uh, old, it would be a musty hobbit. I think it's. I think that's how we can convince you how to spell it. Uh, okay, before you go, we're going to do a one-minute drill here because we're, we're pushed on time. We have a listener question. This comes from Snestrunk's Patreon. Yes, I stole it. Sorry, Alex. Hope you don't mind. This is from Skillers Incorporated. He asks, and we'll we'll take turns here. He says uh, a question for a future episode, which is this one. What was the first game that you found to be very difficult and decided to buckle down, dedicate some time to, and beat? What do you got? You look like you were hit by a train. I'll go first. I think my my uh, selection has to be Contra. Uh, for a long time, I had that game growing up. I never beat it. I never made it past like the third level on the NES, of course. Played play the, the, the hell out of it growing up. And then at some point, uh, I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. And I could, now I Konami coded the practice. I would put the Konami code in, get those 120, get the 120 lives, and that's how I would practice, just kind of learn the levels. Worked my way down to where eventually I was able to beat it without dying. So uh, that was really fun. I was, I was only able to do that once. I tried to do it the other, uh, I, I say the other night, like a year ago, I tried to do that again. Didn't come close. I don't even think I made it past the third level before I used up all my continues. So it was kind of a one-time thing. But um, it felt really good to get that notch in the belt. Because what a classic Contra, baby. Woo! Uh, there are also unlimited continues in Contra. There, what? Not in the arcade. The arcade has a limit. But the as far as I know, normal Contra... No, the NES version will, kill, it will cut you off. After, does it really? Uh, it does, yeah. You can That's because I've never beaten it without the Contra code. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, is man. which is funny you mention it that I, I this isn't the answer to the question um my answer to the question i i swear is ninja gaiden on the xbox um oh wow that's a tough one is yeah it is immensely challenging um the first guy in the first place you go to i know <laughs> i didn't get past him yeah, I walked down the step or up the steps and just got obliterated. Yeah, that's that's one that you just you just keep going. Um, now now I think there's a lot of people who are kind of approaching that style of action game with the like Souls mentality, and 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 that's one that that you can really, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of learning, experimenting, uh, dying, coming back, and and trying that that cycle over and over again. But it's funny you bring up you bring up a, a Konami game in particular because Life Force is one that I have never beaten without using the code, and I'm going to try to do that actually later tonight. So good luck, uh, man, on I, stream I, as well. So even with the Konami code on that one, the very ending where you have to escape, I can't I can't do it. It's too much. The well, game we'll asks see. too much. We'll see how it goes. I'm 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 nervous, but I, I'm I'm just going to go for continues allowed. No one credit clear stuff unless it goes super well to start. But you know, there's that there's that guy right now listening that's pushed up his glasses and he said, uh, yeah, "Contra and Life Force aren't that hard, and, and, and Ninja Gaiden's not that hard. You guys just suck at games." That guy's <laughs> that guy's out there listening. He just unsubscribed, and that's okay. That's well, okay. Sometimes games are hard for some people. Sometimes they can be. That's right. Musty, thank you for joining us here. I I hope that uh, through through this podcast, maybe somebody uh, out there will check you out. 
on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Musty Hobbit, or youtube.com forward slash Musty Hobbit, where there will be some Xboxer briefs. So if you have a soft spot for for the Xbox... For sure. We are playing... I, I just want to... If, if I could. Sure. Um, Right now, I am actually taking an interesting approach to playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yes. Uh, I'm actually playing through... One of the things that I was super... I, I was almost not going to pick up Remake because I was like, I really want to play through the original one more time so I can have that experience. And I had somebody who is uh, a close friend who said, Hey, I played through it. I think it actually maps somewhat closely. Here's Here are the exact save points that you should stop at to align with the chapter breaks in remake. So, wow. So he so I said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play the old the original version and then we're going to flip over to the remake and play the same segment in the remake. And so we've been a, we're a few nights into that. Uh I just got through this stuff with the uh at Walmart with the Honey Bee Inn and with Don Corneo for the first time um but we're I, I'm not sure how far we have left to go i think half i think we're halfway through it but we're playing mm-hmm. this kind of tandem dual playthrough of seven and seven remake and it's a ton of fun uh the seeing the nods and catching all the little references and things because i have seen it like an hour before is yeah. really helpful so you're doing that in one stream like in one night you'll flip from one to the other exactly yeah i'll play i'll play a half hour to an hour roughly of the original and then sometimes three four hours of the remake you about halfway through it i that's what i'm being told so so people still have a chance to catch on what nights do you typically uh, go live there with that old i normally fantasy? stream on sundays mondays and wednesday nights uh usually starting about 8 eight thirty central time so corn time corn time corn, corn time that's yes. good Fantastic. I only say that because you're from Iowa and I pick on you about corn. I don't mean to offend all of the great central folks out there who don't live in corn world, but <laughs> but my sweet Iowan friend Musty is lives in corn time to me. Thank you again, Musty. I appreciate Sorry I almost cut you off and didn't let you plug uh, Final Fantasy, which I said when I talked to you, I said, would be great to have you on so we could help you plug that Final Fantasy thing. Then I almost forgot to uh, segue to it. So good, good on you for remembering uh, to do that. All right. Well, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yes, thanks again for having me on. All right, everyone. That's been another Drunk Friend Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Sorry Alex wasn't here. He'll be here next time, I promise. Be sure to check out polykill.com to find more podcasts like this one. And once again, please reach out to us at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any comments, feedback, questions, or anything you'd like to share, we might talk about it right here on the show. If you'd simply like to help out the show, remember to rate and review us wherever you you listen. It's not for our egos, I promise. It does make us feel good, but most of all, it helps the show reach more people, which is what this is all about. We're on Twitter as well. I'm at TravPlaysGames. Alex is, of course, at SNESDrunk. Also, we want to give a shout out to Coolor for the podcast music. The song you heard at the beginning is Electric Star Bounce, and you'll hear it right here at the end as well. I want to shout out again, Josh Leslie at Frantic Society for making our cover art for the podcast. It's making a lot of people very thirsty. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube or Twitch. And thanks for listening. And I'm sure Alex is out there hoping you have a great rest of your day.